Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Gospel According to Stupid. I'm Johnny Waters, and this is my podcast where I read the Bible from cover to cover and try to discover the secrets of the universe for reasons I'm still grappling with. Welcome. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, please, uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, and concerns, please send an email to accordingtostupid at gmail.com, as well as uh, you can reach me on the Twitter sphere at accordtostupid. Yeah. Um, I got quite the episode for you today, or this week, or whatnot. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it a bit. Uh, we have been responded to once again by our JW friends. Uh, <laughs> This one's a uh, this one's a mighty short one, but it it I have a couple of questions, and maybe I just haven't quite had my uh, my tea yet to be able to like friendly discourse as long as I have, but um, <laughs> I I think I'm done with some bullshit. Um, but before we get to that, this thing I discovered uh recently, if I can pull it up, uh, I'm a little bit of a tabletop gamer. I've done a bit of it, um, but someone somewhere has uh, created a, uh, a Living Testament 5th edition role-playing game uh, that, as they say, drops players right into the story. So you can play what uh, us demon or demon summoners used to, or still do play, or used to play back in the 70s or whatnot, and now you can purify it by following in the footsteps of the Bible, which seems kind of cheating because you already kind of have the story, and if you're really into it, you can be like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not, do that, no. And so on. But maybe it might be kind of cool to be like, alright, well, we should be making war with the Philistines again sometime soon, but I don't know exactly the powers and things like that. I don't know if there's spells or shit, which is why I'm going to read it for the first time kind of on here. Not the whole fucking thing, there's only like three little posts uh, there's two pages and then like one thing, but I'll put a link to where it is where you can pick up the PDF uh, and soft cover and whatnot and and see what it does for you guys. Maybe it'll be good for the church community uh, and so on. So maybe, you know, maybe something will come out of this. But um, it has chapter one here, how to play. Uh, the Living Testament is a role-playing game inspired by bi biblical stories using the 5th edition rules of Dungeons & Dragons. It takes place in ancient times when giants roamed the land. Angels descended from heaven, God's wrath was upon evil men, and when God worked miracles through his followers. Awesome. This game, like many role-playing games, is driven by the player's imagination, using biblical text as a catalyst to help young disciples not only read about the life of Christ, but experience it in a whole new way, despite the fact that the DM would have to pretty much bring this shit out. But if you have a pastor or Sunday school person who knows his shit or her shit, uh, you might get quite the education of, like, oh, they're killing Jesus! And, like, weeping constantly. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, uh, it's about uh, imagining standing alongside Jesus, fighting off monstrous demons, which I don't know if he did, being released from uh, Legion, or protecting the three magi as they make their march across the desert. Oh, okay. I'm, I was being kind of judgmental about this. Uh, to bow and pray to the newborn king. Uh, in this fantasy game, the players got the uh, got to experience uh, Bible stories in a new, fun, and engaging way, interacting with the memorable characters from their favorite Bible stories. Um, let's see. So they have an example. Um, the Game Master. The high winds pick up, launching uh, st stinging sand into your eyes. Uh, a sandstorm is brewing. 
And you can uh, make out, I, I can't quite read this, L L Lusta or something. It's really fuzzy when I'm trying to read this shit. Um, if, uh, but if you're too slow, you'll be caught up uh, unprepared in the storm. What do you want to do? Jacob, who plays a scout, uh, the storm is uh, the storm is close. We should probably seek shelter. Sarah, a barbarian, I think we can make it if we hurry and don't dally. Alice, a disciple, I agree with Jacob. We should take cover and wait out the storm. I mean, I hope something good happens. The Living Testament gives a structure of the stories being told. The game master or GM takes on the role of setting the scenes, offering options or hooks, and acting as the characters and monsters in the world, known as NPCs, non-player characters. The players take on uh, make-believe personas or characters. Both characters and GM use a special set of dice to help determine the success or failure of the character's action in the game, from attacking an enemy, healing the wounded, jumping a ravine, negotiating, or searching for food and water. For example, uh, GM Jacob uh, will need to see if you're able to locate any places for shelter in the area. Make a perception check. Jacob, uh, that's with my wisdom ability, right? GM, yes, it is. Uh, Jacob rolling a d20. That's a d. That's a uh, twenty-sided dice. I've got two. Uh, I've got great eyesight. That's a fifteen. It ain't bad. Uh, GM, okay. You're able to spot remnants of what looks like a crumbling, rocky outcropping. It looked like it would make a great campsite for the night. <coughs> great enough, I suppose. Better than nothing. When you play the Living Testament, the players will take on the role of adventurers. Adventurers come in all shapes and sizes. A rough and brutish warrior. A disciple of the Lord. Which seems like a lot of people would go that way with that, but whatever. It seems like they'd be judged, being like, oh, you want to fight people and kill? You know one of the rules of the Bible, not killing people? <laughs> but maybe they throw it in there and be like, no, you're killing demons and monsters. It's not people. Um... <laughs> And it seems, yeah, my thought is like, why, if you're trying to really throw this out here, why, why be a disciple of the Lord? Wouldn't everybody want to be that if you're trying to, you know, be goody-goody? And perhaps an entertainer. Oh, okay, so you can, <laughs> you can be like me. The character sheets included in this book are provided to get you started. As the game master, I will be, it will be your job to guide the players through the story provided or create your own. You will be in charge of narrating the actions of the characters, describing the scene, running the monsters, and the most fun role, role-playing out all the people the characters will interact with. From the mundane merchant to King Herod, the Magi, Mary, and even God. The most important thing to remember when guiding the characters, setting the scenes, and running the hazards is that this is a game about fun, success or failure, while maybe not the outcome they seek. Every outcome should be fun and move the story forward. Um, I think this is well, this second page seems to be just like an example of like here. This is like a town that you can see. Um, so because it starts like in the middle of a sentence with the top of this, like luckily they are under Caesar's protection. Da da da. Regardless of the scene you choose to use, so this is like a DM's. Um, uh, or GMs, I suppose, uh, sheet that they can look at and read from beforehand and be like, oh, okay, so you have this, you have that. I know where I can kind of take these guys and some of their thoughts of what might happen, and here's some of the places that might be of interest to check out while they're in this small-ass little village. Uh, regardless of the scene you choose to use, the goal is to instill the players with their characters how uh, unwanted, unfair, and unjust the Roman occupation is, was, could have been. Um, 
I don't know how unjust it was, but, um, you know, I, I imagine we're a little salty on the details of, like, you know, they killed Jesus. But from what I understand um, from Life of Brian, uh, they brought aqueducts and the city watch and um, sewage systems and things like that. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a joke. I understand it was an occupation. Not probably, It probably wasn't a good time. Um, anyway, uh, having them refer to the character and locals as peasants, street rats, or just filth can help capture this foot feeling. Fair enough. Luda points of interest. I guess that's where you start this thing or a place you can start. Below you will find points of interest in Luda. These places uh, will stand out in not only people and places the characters can visit. The map is full of buildings. And as the game master, you can easily toss in your own NPCs uh, and locations to enhance the story, as well as make it flexible for you to react to unexpected turns the players will take. Uh, so they have a couple locations and it doesn't freaking matter. Uh, I'm not going to read these things, but it's like, you know, C1 is the Copper Kettle Inn, or uh, C2 is Jeremiah's Pottery, etc. Um, and this thing is uh, called the Living Testament, the Three Magi. So imagine, I imagine it's just like you're in this town, eventually you run to these three magi, they're looking for someone to travel with them, and um, it's probably just a story time. They probably will take... A couple of uh, sessions to get through, I imagine, should be like, all right, we got to get there, we got to afford this. And you look up in the sky, and if you get a high enough perception check, or if you just get it, um, you can <laughs> you can see the star that eventually leads them all the way to where they need to go. Um, yeah, I'm going to post a, a, a link to where this is, and I might even email these folks to see um, <laughs> if they need a helping hand in reading this sort of stuff. Um, but I, you know, interesting how things are evolving and moving and, and what have you. All right. Now moving on to, uh, our, uh, Jehovah witness person who sent us a line, um, much shorter this time. And again, we're getting kind of back to, uh, where I think it's just a copy paste sort of a deal, which sucks, but here we go. Uh, Jonathan, at Luke 8.1, Jesus says this, Shortly afterward, he traveled from city to city, from village to village, preaching and declaring the good news from the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, dot, dot, dot. Jonathan, this is what Jesus was teaching all those who had listened about the kingdom of God. This kingdom vindicates God's name. Remember, it was set up in 1914 at the time when Satan was ousted from heaven. Also remember, at Matthew 6.8, uh, where Jesus tells his followers to pray for that heavenly kingdom to be set up on earth as it was in heaven. Jonathan, only four, uh, sorry, Jonathan, only 144,000 chosen by Jehovah will reign with Jesus in heaven over the earthly portion of his kingdom. During the 1,000-year reign in the earthly kingdom, those who have died before God's word, Armageddon, will be resurrected and taught about Jehovah. That's it. That's all she, they, we, have her, they him sent. So, uh, I responded back, uh, not nearly as, as thick as a dick as I usually do. Um, so it goes as follows. All right. Uh, I'm glad in Luke eight, one, we can see that Jesus has his own marketing team going from town to town. So hold on now. In 1914, Satan was ousted from heaven. Wasn't he already removed from the heavenly government? I mean, why keep him up there if he already tempted Adam, Eve, Jesus, and then wait a little under 1,900 years to evict the guy? Doesn't make sense to me. I've heard the number of uh, 144,000 souls. I have a feeling 
If that's the case, he's already chosen them. My chances are slim if this is absolutely true. Out of several billion people alive now and the several billion lives that have ever been, I'm pretty sure 144,000 have already made it up there. And there's no, oh, a more holy person came up, we gotta keep our leaderboards high sort of deal. So when you're up there, you're good to go. How many members are in the JW section of faith? How many came before them? And why put a cap on it for that matter? If it's such an exclusive club with only so many members, and they've probably been chosen before my time even came to breathe on this soil, why would I want or even be able to get into it? But if we are taught about it after the fact of our death, what happens to our souls in the meantime while God is taking his sweet time? If God can wait 1900 years to punish Satan, how much longer can he wait to bring about his Armageddon? Will I just be nothing until I wake up to get my college education on Jehovah? Then what? The club is full. Do we just lounge around? Just curious, John. So, uh, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts, and of course, send an email off to accordingtostupid at gmail.com. Uh, and, um, yeah, that would be great. All right, kiddos, uh, today we are moving on to our things of, uh, finishing off Second Kings. Uh, I may or may not have a review episode immediately after this, but, um, we'll see how that goes. Everybody ready? We are reading from the, uh, kingjamesbibleonline.org because it's easy for me and I don't really want to open a book and... Have you guys, you know, etc. Second um, Kings chapter 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, which is a great name, king of Babylon came up and Jeho- uh, Jehoiakim uh, became his servant three years when he turned and rebelled against him. Ah, oh, fuck. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldees, and bands of the Syrians, and bands of the Moabites, and bands of the children of Ammon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servants of the prophets. Okay, so God is sending a bunch of people to Babylon, or are they sending it to... I'm really confused. Well, I guess we'll figure it out. So we... here we go. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did. Isn't Manasseh a thing of David? I don't know. And also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon, even though he totally pardoned all of David's kiddos, but... Meh. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, they not written in the chronicles of the kings of Judah. Fuck you. So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his stead. And the king of Egypt came not again any more out of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken from the river of Egypt unto the river Euphrates all that pertained to the king of Egypt. All right, so Nebuchadnezzar kicked some ass in Egypt. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. Oh. And his mother's name was uh, Naushta, cool, the daughter of Elnathan huh. uh, of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. <sighs> Fucking A, dude. Um, At the time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, and his servants did besiege it. Awesome. 
And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers. And the king of the Babylon of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. I'm going to kill you. And he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord had said. Did he? Did he tell Solomon to do that shit? Because I don't think he did. And he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained save the poorest sort of the people of the land. You guys keep it. Fuck it. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. And he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon and the king's mother and the king's wives were kind of moving away from this whole monogamy thing. And his officers and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And all the men of might, even seven thousand, and craftsmen and smiths, a thousand, all that were strong and apt for war, even them the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah his father, brother, what the fuck? Oh, and the king of Babylon made Mataniah his father's brother, so his uncle, king in his stead. Why? And changed his name to Zedekiah. Okay. Um, so did he change uh, Mataniah's name to Zedekiah, or did he change his name, which was much cooler, Nebuchadnezzar, to Zedekiah? I don't know. Um... Anyway, Zedekiah was twenty and one years old when he began to reign. Must Maybe it was Nebuchadnezzar. And he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, Nido. And he did that which was evil in the sight of... Every time someone becomes a king in this fucking book, they suddenly decide to do evil. But before they become king, or while they're king, and they move some motherfuckers around... Uh, things become evil. Now, I'm beginning to think that I did it wrong, that Manat uh, Mataniah became Zedekiah, and that Nebuchadnezzar was like, you know what? I'm liking banging my wives. I'm good with this. Let's move this along. Which also would... No, wait, it doesn't quite work in the line of succession because it's the first son, and if he has a son, it just moves down that particular line. Um, unless all those kids die, in which case, hey, we move right back up the line to uncle line, and so on. Anyway... Uh, so let's assume that Mataniah slash Zedekiah, and it's not Nebuchadnezzar, be, was doing a bad thing. Because it seems to me that we're already, like, mer just blaspheming a lot on, like, I did the Lord's work. You sure did, buddy. By the way, you're doing a lot of evil. What? Uh, <laughs> ugh. Anyway, um... For though the anger of the Lord, it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out of his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the kingdom of Babylon. Doesn't he own it? Now, maybe I'm real confused now again because, hold on. Um, now, the anger of the Lord, it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out of his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Okay, so he... He abdicates the throne, and then he's like, I'm going to change my name. You know what? I like being king. Fuck you. And like, okay. Ugh. No wonder this is confusing. Hmm. Things are not going to be good here in a second. Uh, but it's a nice way to end this particular chapter, I suppose. Um, for those of you reading the, the thing here, uh, you, can, you can follow along with me with that picture that's on the right. 
Uh, chapter 25. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came he and all his host against Jerusalem and pitched against it. And they built forts against it around about. We already did that. And the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. Okay, so it was Mataniah or whatever the fuck. And on the ninth day, on the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city. Okay, uh, so that's a long fucking time to have a famine. And there was no, uh, speaking from someone living through a pandemic, and there was no bread for the people of the land. And the city was broken up, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls, which is by the king's garden. Now the Chaldees were against the city round about, and the king went the way toward the plain. And the army of the Chaldees pursued after the king, and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. Rad. And all his army were scattered from him. Hmm. Huh. So they took the king, and brought him up to the king of Babylon, to Riblah, and they gave judgment upon him. And they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. Holy shit. Yep, that's the picture. And put out the eyes of Zedekiah. <laughs> oh, fuck. And bound him in fetters of brass, and carried him to Babylon. Whew. Okay. So I'm assuming that Zedekiah is Nebuchadnezzar's uncle that he put in charge of Jerusalem to be like, hey, we took everybody out, but we're going to reinstall you, and you're going to be basically the king of the poor. And apparently he was like, yeah, I'm going to do some awful here. And Nebuchadnezzar comes the fuck back and is like, this can't stand and fucks up and kills everything, uh, at least the army-wise, and then goes like, hey, uncle, um, yeah, this is the punishment. <laughs> Which is fucking bonkers. Um... In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, uh, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire. Well, we better do something about this arsonist. And all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Now the rest of the people that were left in the city and the fugitives that fell away from the, to the king of Babylon with the remnant of the multitude did Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Zeradan, the captain of the guard, carry away. But the captain of the guard left the poor of the land to be vine dressers and husbandmen. Okay. Uh, and the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and bases and the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord did the Chaldees break in pieces and carried the brass of them to Babylon. So we're breaking down this 40-foot-by-40-foot place again, it sounds like. And God's like, yeah, all right. Didn't like it anyway. Um, and the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the spoons and all the vessels of brass, uh, wherewith they ministered, took they away. And the firepans and the bowls and such things as were of gold, uh, in gold and of silver, uh, in silver, okay, the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, and, what the fuck? And the bases which Solomon had made of the house of the Lord, and brass of brass of all the vessels was without weight. All right. So they're looting the fuck out of Jerusalem. Uh, the height of the one pillar was eighteen cubits, and the uh, chapiter upon it was brass. And the height of the chapiter three cubits, and the wreathen work uh, and pomegranates upon the chapiter round about, all of brass, and like unto these had the second pillar with wreathen work. And the captain of the guard took Seraiah, the chief priest, 
and uh, Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the door. And out of the city he took an officer uh, that was set over the men of war, and five men of them that were in the king's presence, which were found in the city, and the principal scribe of the host, which mustered the people of the land, and threescore men of the people of the land that were found in the city. And uh, Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, took these and brought them to the king of Babylon, uh, to the king of Babylon, of, to Riblah. And the king of Babylon smote them, just fucking killed them, and slew them at Riblah at the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away out of their land. And as for the <coughs> Excuse me. And as for the people that remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, even over them he made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, ruler. Nido. And when all the captains of the armies, they and their men, heard the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, there came to Gedaliah to Mizpah, even Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and Johanan, the son of Kariah, Korea. Uh, and Sariah, the son of Tanhumeth, didn't we kill him? Uh, must have been different Sariah. Uh, the Nethophatite. Uh, and Jazaniah, the son of a Machathite. And they, their men. So we, everyone, people were like, all right, cool. And Gedadiah swear to them and to their men. And said unto them, fear not to be the servants of the Chaldees. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon. And it shall be well with you. But it came to pass, of course, in the seventh month, that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama, and of the seed royal, came and ten, uh, and ten men with him and smote Gedadiah, that he died, and the Jews and the Chaldees that were with him at Mizpah. So <laughs> Ishmael was like, fuck this, and killed everybody. And all the people, both great, small and great, and the captains of the armies arose and came to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldees. I would be too with only a couple, you know, people under my arms. And they came to pass in the seventh and thirtieth year of their captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month of the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison. Didn't we kill him? And he spake kindly to him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon, and changed his prison garments, and he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life. And his allowance was a continual allowance given him of the king, a daily rate of every day, all the days of his life. Oh, lordy lord. Okay. Looking ahead, uh, these chronicles look really fucking awful. Um, I may try to knock him out as quickly as humanly possible. But um, that being said, that's the end of uh, Second Kings with Nebuchadnezzar being fucking kick-ass and shit and uh, just rocking out um, and really confusing king lineages. And I think there's a misprint in all this, but fuck if I know. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you like this, please leave a review uh, or just some stars on Apple Podcasts. Doesn't really too matter too much to me, but um, the world would love to hear this, I'm sure, with a five-star review if you have the time. It's real easy to scroll down and be like, I rate this a five, and then, you know, you did your good deed of the day. One less thing, man. Um, yeah, uh, I'll leave links in the uh, description of if you guys are curious about that PDF, and... Uh, We'll go from there. Thanks so much, and uh, you've been gospel to by the stupid.